Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church. My name is Chris Corbin and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here. I want to begin this morning by letting you know that we are so incredibly thankful that you have decided to join with us for the next 40 or so minutes. Whether you find yourself joining us online or whether you are joining us live in person at the church, together, all of us, no matter where we are, we together are the church. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for, because we are so grateful for your continued and faithful support. Through your generosity and prayers, it has made possible for us the ability to share the good news of Jesus and life in the kingdom of God. This morning, I'm excited that we have our district superintendent, Curtis Peters, who will be sharing with us as we dive into a four-part series entitled, An Invitation to Life in the Kingdom. This series is going to be led by our amazing staff at the district office. And so I want to invite you to really lean in, to learn, to be encouraged and challenged as we hear from our district leadership team the many ways in which we have been invited into life in the kingdom. My hope for you today, and really every day, not just Sundays, is that you would meet with God in some way, that God would speak to you, and that you would have a life-changing encounter with him. So I want to start this morning's service by inviting God to be present with us. So would you join with me in prayer? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I am so thankful that whether we meet online, whether we meet in person, that together we are your church, together we are your body, and you have called us to experience life in your kingdom. So this morning, Lord, as we, as we press into this invitation to life in your kingdom, I pray that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, bodies, and souls, that we would know the truth of who you are, and the grace and the love and the mercy that you've extended to us, and that we would encounter and life in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we invite you to come. We invite you to be lifted high, to be magnified, to be glorified this morning. All of this is for you, Lord Jesus. And so we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you, Amanda, for sharing with us that wonderful kids moment and for sharing the incredible truths about God's kingdom. This morning, I'm excited because we're kicking off a series entitled Invitation to Life in the Kingdom, as we explore what does it look like to live in God's kingdom, to be a part of this kingdom. And so it is my privilege and my pleasure this morning to introduce Curtis Peters, our district superintendent, who will be kicking off this series so I invite you to lean in, to learn, to be challenged and encouraged as we explore God's kingdom together. In the ECD, our vision is to catalyze leaders and churches to experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God and to invite neighbors and nations to do the same. That's why I'm excited to share with you today an invitation to life in the kingdom. It's not my invitation. It's Jesus's. It was the first thing he preached when he began his ministry and a constant refrain throughout. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Repent. Turn from the way you were living before and live a new kind of life, a, a fullness of life in the kingdom of God that has come near to you. Notice that this call to repentance is couched in this language of invitation. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. Because there is, is an invitation to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the glorious kingdom of light through faith in Jesus Christ, as Paul said in Colossians chapter 1. That is what the gospel of Jesus is all about. It's the good news he came to proclaim, that we are invited to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the glorious kingdom of Jesus. This is Jesus' invitation to you and to me. And it then becomes our invitation to the neighbors and nations around us, both those who live across the street and those who live in the farthest corners of the earth, in places where few or none have had access to the good news of Jesus. It's the reason why the Christian and Missionary Alliance is a mission-focused movement. Why? Because we have experienced the joy of accepting Jesus' invitation to the fullness of life in the kingdom of God, what we sometimes call the deeper life. And so we can't help but invite the whole world to experience that joy with us, especially those who have never had an opportunity to hear. So what does it mean to experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God? Is it something we can experience now? Or is it something we won't experience until our coming king establishes it for us in the future? Well, the answer is both. It's what theologians call the already not yet tension of our faith. Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven has already come near, and he proved it throughout his life and ministry. He put it this way in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. In other words, Jesus was saying that his power over the kingdom of darkness was evidence that his kingdom of light had already come. And not just for Jesus. His disciples experienced it as well. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 72 of his disciples to heal the sick and drive out demons. And they did it. They came back rejoicing because, as it says in chapter 10, verse 17, even the demons submit to us. In your name. Similarly, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus told his disciples that they would do the things he had been doing. In fact, they would do even greater things than he did. Well, that seems impossible. But the book of Acts is a testimony to the reality of this truth. They healed the sick, drove out demons, raised the dead, and led thousands of people to experience with them the fullness of life in the kingdom of God that they were already experiencing. A life of power and miraculous signs by the power of the Holy Spirit. A life of harmony among the believers, where they shared with one another and cared for the poor among them. A life of joy, where they were able to rejoice even in the midst of suffering. A life of courage and boldness in proclaiming the gospel, even when they faced strong opposition and a life of fruitfulness, transformed lives that made a transforming impact 
on the world around them. All of this fullness of life in God's kingdom was already available to these early disciples. And I believe it is Jesus' invitation to us to experience the fullness of this kingdom life as well. The kingdom is already among us, available through faith in Jesus Christ. But let's be honest. It's not yet fully among us the way we long for when Christ returns to rule over the nations as the King of Kings. The world has not yet been freed of all the pain and suffering or the horrible effects of the kingdom of darkness. Not all sickness has yet been healed. There is still racism, injustice, and and all kinds of evil all around us, even in our own hearts. As Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, we have not yet obtained all this. We have not yet been made perfect, nor do we yet live in the fullness of life in the kingdom like we one day will. And so we live in this tension already, but not yet. I want to share with you today from Luke chapter 19, a story and a parable that highlight first the incredible transforming difference that the kingdom of God already can make in our lives, and second, the importance of investing our lives now in preparing for the coming kingdom that is not yet here in full, but is getting closer all the time. The story is about Zacchaeus the short little rich man who was hated for his treachery and injustice as a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a man who got rich by taking advantage of the poor, cheating them on their taxes. He was the opposite of Robin Hood. He didn't rob the rich to serve the poor. Rather, he robbed the poor to get rich himself. He lived a life of treachery and injustice. And then Jesus showed up and piqued his curiosity. I love the little detail in chapter 19, verse 3, where it says Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Do you ever feel limited in your ability to see Jesus? Ever feel like he is out of reach? Like there are too many barriers that get in the way of experiencing his fullness in your life? Maybe like you want to hear his voice, but aren't quite sure how. The good news is that even a short man can see Jesus, if he tries hard enough, if he's willing to run ahead of the crowd and climb a tree to get a glimpse of the master. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Zacchaeus might have said, run, climb a tree, and you will see him. The question is, how hungry are you? How desperate to see him? What's it worth to you? How much effort are you willing to put into it? How important is it for you to experience the fullness of life in the kingdom? It's available. We can see Jesus at work in our lives today, but it's going to take some effort. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. We need to want it enough to do something to go after it, to run, climb a tree, do whatever it takes to get it. Zacchaeus didn't really know what he was going to see, 
but he climbed the tree anyway. Little did he know the invitation to life in the kingdom that Jesus was about to offer him. It says in verse 5 that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Notice the urgency for Jesus. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Not tomorrow, not later, now. Immediately. The invitation to life in the kingdom is for today. The question is, are we willing to be interrupted? Are we willing to change our plans, drop everything to run home and throw a party for Jesus? When the invitation to life in the kingdom costs us something now, when it requires our immediate attention, our immediate response, when it must happen now, are we willing? Or like the parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 14, will we all alike begin making excuses about all the other good things we need to do first? Sorry, Jesus, don't have time for your kingdom today. Too much else on the agenda. Maybe tomorrow? <laughs> Not Zacchaeus. It says in verse 6 that he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Do you gladly welcome the invitation to life in the kingdom whenever it happens to come? Do you see following Jesus and obeying him as something you have to do, like an obligation? Or as something you want to do, as an invitation that you will gladly accept, gladly leave everything else, whatever else you are doing, in order to embrace it? How about when the people around you don't like it? It says in verse 7 that when all the people saw this, they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How influenced are you by the opinions of others? Is your hunger for Jesus, your longing to experience the fullness of life in his kingdom, greater than your hunger for the, the approval of others? This is where we begin to see evidence that the kingdom of God has indeed arrived, that it has come near to Zacchaeus. Because look at his response. It says in verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What an incredible response. Here everyone is slandering him, grumbling about him. And yet he doesn't focus on that. He, he's not trying to defend himself, nor is he wallowing in insecurity. Instead, he courageously addresses his sin head on. He owns it. He knows he has hurt these people. He knows that he has perpetrated injustice against them. So he simply responds with humble repentance in the truest sense of the word. He turns from his sin and changes course from a life of selfishness and injustice to a life of sacrifice and generosity, laying down his best interests for the sake of others. He saw Jesus' invitation to life in the kingdom, to repent and believe the good news, and he took it. It didn't matter the cost, didn't matter the people's reaction. The offer was just too good to give up, and so he embraced it, heart and soul. 
I love Jesus' response in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Notice the word today. <laughs> today salvation has come to this house. The kingdom is already here. It's already available. Just look at the fruit. A selfish tax collector just voluntarily gave away half of his possessions, made restitution for all of his previous injustice, and is so glad to have Jesus in his home that he doesn't even seem to care about the fact that all the people are grumbling about it. He's not wallowing in shame. Friends, this kind of response was only possible because the kingdom of God was already there. It had already affected a radical transformation in Zacchaeus' life. That very day, his life changed forever, as did the lives of all those around him who were impacted by his decisions. You see, when salvation comes to our house, when we embrace Jesus' invitation to life in his kingdom, things begin to change immediately. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We don't have to wait for that. If we are in Christ, that has already happened. We have already become a new creation. The old has already gone, and the new is already here. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, but today. And the evidence of that salvation, of our accepting Jesus' invitation to a transformed life in the kingdom, begins to take immediate effect. Why? Because that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save what was lost, to save us from our sinful patterns, to save us from our selfishness, from our unjust ways, and to empower us by his spirit to live a radically different kind of life. Now, certainly this is a process full of distinct moments when we yield ourselves in greater and greater surrender to the Spirit's work in our lives. Maybe today is one of those moments for you. A moment when, like what we call in the Alliance, a crisis moment of sanctification. A moment when you embrace, more than you ever have before, the Spirit of God bringing kingdom transformation to your life. You see, the kingdom of God is not just some distant reality, something that's coming someday in the future. It's actually already here. Like Jesus said a couple of chapters earlier in Luke 17, 20 and 21, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's already here. And we can see it in the form of transformed lives like Zacchaeus. Lives freed from shame and worrying about what people think. Instead are just so excited about Jesus that will gladly do whatever it takes to embrace his invitation to life. So that means everything is perfect, right? I mean, no more sin, no more sadness, no more problems, no more viruses. Uh, apparently not. So was Jesus mistaken? Is today not the day of salvation? Is the kingdom not already among us? 
Interestingly, it's these questions that Jesus goes on to address in the parable that follows in the second half of Luke 19. Notice in verse 11, it says, While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. You see, the people had seen what Jesus was doing. They could see evidence of the coming kingdom of God. In fact, they had just seen more evidence of that kingdom coming in the transformation of Zacchaeus. And so they assumed that the kingdom was going to appear at once. I mean, clearly, it was already beginning to appear. That's why Jesus goes on to tell them the parable of the ten minas. I don't have time today to go into this parable in detail, but allow me to summarize a few key points. It starts in verses 12 and 13 with Jesus saying, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Some of his subjects didn't want him to be the king. They hated and opposed him and were later punished when the king returned. But one of his servants invested the money well and earned ten times more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied in verse 17. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Another of his servants earned five times what he received and was rewarded with taking charge of five cities. But in verse 20, it says that another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. This servant was rebuked by the king for his poor judgment and had his mina taken away and given to the servant who had earned the most. There's a lot we could talk about in this parable. But what I want to emphasize today is that right after declaring that salvation had come that very day to Zacchaeus, that the kingdom of God was already among them, already changing lives and bringing transformation, Jesus gives this parable to emphasize that while we can already enjoy his salvation and transforming work now, the most important thing we can do at this point is to prepare for his coming kingdom when he comes again and establishes it fully and completely destroys all of his enemies. So yes, the kingdom is already among us, but Jesus has not yet come back as our coming king to reign over the new heavens and the new earth. And so our calling is first to embrace this invitation to life in the kingdom now to seek after him with all of our heart and soul, to experience all the fullness of this kingdom life he has invited us into. And second, to invest our time and resources in preparing for the coming of our king once and for all in all of his fullness. Everything is not yet as it will one day be. And so we spend ourselves, we give our lives in service to our king and his coming kingdom so that the greatest number of people can experience that kingdom with us in the greatest possible way. So friends, hear this invitation today to life in the kingdom of God. Already amazing, already transforming, already bringing salvation from so much sin and brokenness and shame. But not yet as amazing, 
as transforming, as full a salvation as it will one day be. And so we embrace his gifts for today and we invest our blood, sweat, and tears to prepare for the future, inviting as many neighbors and nations as we can to experience this fullness of life with us in the glorious kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you.